Well, good afternoon, everybody. It is indeed a joy to be back. I was here about two years ago to give a paper. Never in my wildest dreams that I think I'd be back to be the bishop, the regional bishop of this area. But great to be with you in this beautiful place and on this very important feast day. Go back to uh, Fulton Sheen, who said something about this feast, or this reading I find very interesting. It proves, he said, the church is not a democracy. So the first move is, well, who do people say that I am? So a kind of public opinion poll. And you get, as you'd expect, a whole range of answers. You know, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, etc. What all those answers have in common is they're all wrong, right? And we'd find something very similar today if we did a public opinion poll about Jesus. Who is Jesus? Oh, he's a philosopher, he's a moral exemplar, a great teacher, or flip it around, you know, he's a deluded... Uh, madman, he didn't even exist. Do you see a poll recently in Great Britain? Something like 70% of people in Great Britain said that Jesus was a legendary or mythic figure. I mean, so the point is, you did a public opinion poll about Jesus, you'd get a whole range of answers, probably almost all of them wrong. But Sheen pressed on. The reading also shows the church is not an aristocracy. So Jesus turns to his inner circle, to those who have stayed with him, who would presumably know his mind and heart very well. He turns to, who do you say I am? And he gets precisely no answer. Are they frightened? Are they confused? Are they afraid? Who knows? But they don't answer him. And then it's Peter alone who speaks. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, Sheen presses on, It doesn't mean the church is a monarchy in the ordinary sense of the term, as though Peter inherited some uh, role from his ancestors. Or if he was something like the Aristotelian good man, you know, so in the polis of Aristotle, it's easy enough to find, here is the person with the most intelligence and virtue, he should be in charge. No, it's not a monarchy in the ordinary sense. If you want to put it this way, it's a kind of charismatic monarchy. So the Lord insists, it's not flesh and blood that revealed this to you. In other words, it did not come in any normal or natural way, but precisely by a revelation from my Father. There's the church's authority from Peter up to Francis to the present day. An authority coming from the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is why the church is built on rock. This is why the church has endured. It will not endure if the authority comes from the people, from an aristocratic mentality, even if it comes from a monarchy in the natural sense. It's only because the authority comes from the Holy Spirit that we can speak of the church grounded and founded on rock. I go back here to uh, one of my great heroes and mentors, uh, Francis Cardinal George of Chicago. That famous scene at the election of Pope Benedict XVI when Cardinal George was on the loggia of St. Peter's. And the cameras caught him with this remarkably uh, thoughtful, pensive expression. And so when he got home, they asked him, well, what were you thinking about when you were standing there? He said, well, I was gazing over toward the the Colosseum and toward the um, uh, Palatine Hill and the Circus Maximus, And I was musing, where are the successors of the Roman emperors? Where's Nero's successor? 
Where's the successor of Marcus Aurelius? And then he said, finally, who cares? But the successor of Peter is right here. He's right next to me, smiling and waving to the crowds. All the nations, all the empires, all the institutions, they come and go. We know that. Will this great American republic someday pass out of existence? Sure it will. They all do. But oddly, strangely, the church remains. That's why I always find moving the fact that the ratification of this is found right here and right now. That here we are in this great Catholic church, worshiping the God of Israel, standing in the great tradition of the apostles, ratified before our very eyes is the truth of this claim. The authority coming from the power of the Holy Spirit to Peter and his successors down through the ages. Praise God for that. What a source of joy that is for us. What a source of confidence for us to see it right before our eyes. I love the phrase, the gates of hell will not prevail against this church so established. You know, I think it does have a sort of defensive sense, whereby the powers of evil will never overwhelm the church. And that's true, isn't it? Up and down the ages. And God knows the powers of evil have tried, and they've not prevailed. But I want to stress something else. I think it was more obvious to people in the ancient world, that that phrase has a sort of offensive or aggressive sense. If you were attacking an enemy city, what you attacked were the gates, right? trying to knock down the wall so you could get in and conquer it. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We're on the march. An ecclesia militans, a fighting church, fighting the powers of darkness. And the church will be victorious. That's the point. Now why? Not because it's grounded in our own powers and sensibilities. Not because it's grounded in the aristocracy of the best and brightest, because it's grounded in the Holy Spirit. The powers of darkness will not overwhelm us, and we will be victorious. We celebrate that fact today as well. Just a word as I close about the chair of Peter. So all of us who have been to Rome and to St. Peter's Basilica know the, the uh, altar of the chair in the, in the apse of St. Peter's. What's currently there uh, holding what they say is a ninth century chair that some claim goes all the way back to Peter. The chair, the chair. How come we're celebrating a piece of furniture? Well, here's what I find intriguing about that. I, I'm an ecclesial insider, right? I'm a bishop of the church. I taught theology for 20 some years in, in the biggest Catholic seminary in the country. I've been studying the Catholic faith for my whole life. I'm a Catholic insider. How many, I ask myself, of the 260-some popes can I even name? And I'm an insider. I pretty confidently, from Francis back to about Pio Nono, I would say, I could name the popes very confidently. After Pius IX, I get a little shaky, to be honest with you. And 260-some popes, how many could you name confidently? I mean, maybe I could name 25 of them. And thereupon hangs a tale, I think. Because it's not the personality of the Pope 
that we're preoccupied with. Now, mind you, we're living, I think, in a golden age of the papacy. From Pius IX forward, so many very impressive figures. My great hero, John Paul II, I mean, I think the greatest of them. But it's a golden age of the papacy. Nevertheless, nevertheless, it is not the personalities of the popes with which we are preoccupied. But rather, it's their authority grounded in the Holy Spirit and symbolized by the chair, by the chair of Peter, the teaching authority of the Pope that comes from the Holy Spirit. That's where our stability comes from. That's where our power comes from. That's where the energy and focus of the Ecclesia Militans comes from. And that's what we celebrate today. Today. 